This is Karen Hunter, and welcome to The Hub. He's an amazing actor. He is fun in a, in a nice package. You know, he's just a, a ball, a bundle of fun. Everything I've seen him in, he makes me smile. Uh, he's on The Neighborhood. He plays son Calvin, irreverent as hell. Let me welcome for the first time, Mr. Marcel Spears. What's up, what's up? Hi, how are you? So I, I asked you that before and you said, well, I'm well. So that means you did, your, your, either your mom was really uh, a stickler for grammar or you went mm-hmm. to some really good schools. Uh, my mom's a teacher. I see. My mother's, see how, my mother's a teacher, yeah. Y'all better give me my flowers now. I promise you, you're not gonna find this every place. I, done, Yo, I just met this brother already. Girl. Come on now. I done, boom, right there. Told you who you were. So your mother was a teacher. Where are you from, Marcel? I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana. Okay. All right. That's uh, Master P, Lil Wayne. Yes, ma'am. Yes, but, ma'am. Okay. What, what did your mom teach? My mom taught a little bit of everything. So when I was younger, she taught um, elementary school, like grades three through five. Now she teaches middle school. Uh, So like six, seven, eighth graders, she teaches uh, science, uh, English, math, reading. Uh, She does a little bit of ESL. Were you ever in her class? I was never in my mom's class, not as a student, but I always, especially as I got older, I would like go to her class to regulate situations i'd be like hey man y'all don't don't mess with my mama because she got a son i love that okay you had to let them know them little 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 people okay hey man they be trying it and i saw i i witnessed firsthand look new orleans new orleans is a very interesting place with colorful people and you know sometimes you know the 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 kids get carried away It's, it's it's wild out there all right tell me one time you had to go regulate and how old were you um, I would say maybe the first time that I had to do it, cause see now I don't, I don't have to regulate as much. My mom speaks really glowingly of me. So when I pop up in her class, when I get the chance to do that, the kids are all like, what's Cedric like? So I, they don't know who I am. They just know that I'm on TV. Um, but when, I think maybe when I was 13 and I was starting to go to middle school, my mom was still teaching elementary school. I would just like show up and, you know, they have like the, those little rambunctious boys. I used to teach in New York too. That was like my survival job. I was a, um, I was a teaching artist. And so I know, I know how, how the kids are. So I would just like whisper in their ear, man, I ain't your parents and I don't care about none of this. I'm willing to risk it all. My mama can't hit you, but I will. Like just, just whispering in the kids ear. <laughs> I, lo- I, I knew I loved you. So, um, I watched the mayor because my good buddy Yvette Nicole Brown was on it. And I'm like, yes, oh, the algorithms I'm going to record. I'm going to watch. And then I met, then I saw you and I'm like, why didn't they make So I whispered in the ear of my television. Why wasn't he the mayor? Uh-huh. Why wasn't he the mayor? Uh-huh. That's what I was asking. Mm. I was asking that question. Myself. I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah, that. Because I saw your stardom. And then I was like, and then my, <laughs> my girl Tashida is on mm-hmm. with my man Cedric who I did a book with. I did a book with Cedric the Entertainer back in the day. And what? They got a, yeah, they got a whole ass TV show that's successful on CBS. So of course I'm watching that. And then I run into this chocolatey goodness once again. And so Here I'm so I am, proud of in you. the flesh. Let me just say, very proud of you. Very, very proud of you. Thank um, you so much. How did you get the mayor? And, and, and then your mom being a teacher, what led you into becoming an actor? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I feel like I was always an actor. I feel like I was always acting. Um, I was always performing. Like I come from a, a really culturally rich city. Um, I have a big family that has a lot of characters in it. So storytelling was a part of me growing up. You know, you got your uncles and your aunties, they come back and they rock, 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 you know, talking all that stuff. Um, and so to like, to stick out in that environment requires a certain amount of uh, performing ability. So I always felt like I did it. I was always doing like church plays. My dad's a, a preacher. So I was always doing like, you know, the nativity plays and things like that um, growing up. But I kind of took it for granted. It was just something that I had done. It wasn't something that I really like poured too much into. Um, as I got older, I started leaning more into it. And then after Hurricane Katrina, when my family was displaced, uh, acting was sort of the only thing that I had access to. Like all the stuff that I used to do in New Orleans uh, just wasn't happening in Fort Worth, Texas. It just wasn't there. Um, and so acting was something that I, I used to sort of like channel some of those like more difficult emotions. And it, and it turns out that it was something that I really, really loved and had a passion for. Um, and that took me all the way through college to grad school, living in New York. Uh, and that's how I booked the man. Um, I was hustling in New York, hustling. As I said, I was a teaching artist for a little while and I was doing like regional theater gigs. And then when I go to New York, I would do like these basement theater gigs where like you, it's, it's a black box with maybe 50, 60 people. And you're just in there like doing your best acting stuff. Like you just in there like crying and angry and yelling. Um, and I was doing that for for a while after I had after I gotten out of uh, after I got my master's degree, because um, I I just knew like once you get your master's like it's gonna pop off like they're gonna see that I am lit like they're gonna see that they're gonna be able to tell that I just have that je ne sais quoi, um, but it didn't happen like that they really didn't care um, and so I was just like dang man what do I do, so I was hustling in New York and I just so happened to get uh, a, a string of auditions that like almost saved my life. Cause like at one point I had gotten evicted and I was like couch surfing with friends and like me and my girlfriend at the time were like homeless basically um, trying to figure it out. We didn't know what was gonna happen. And I got like this string of jobs. One of the jobs was at the Old Globe Theater in, in San Diego. Uh, and that took me to California. I auditioned for the mayor via self-tape there and then drove from San Diego to LA to do the callbacks uh, and I booked it. You know, it almost seems like something that you would see on television. This story, this story doesn't <laughs> seem real. Doesn't seem real. So you had never met Yvette Nicole Brown. You didn't know any of the people. You just you booked it, and then because it felt like there was chemistry with there with was chemistry. You. Yeah, there was chemistry. Like, and that's I think that's one of the uh, the things I thank God for the most in my career is that I've been surrounded by really, really talented people, but really, really generous people. Um, and so Yvette is like, she's like a mentor. She's like a big sister, an auntie. Um, I love that woman so, 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 so fiercely. Uh, but the chemistry was, was apparent, like from jump. The star of that show, the guy who played the mayor, we have the same agent. And I met uh, Brandon, I feel like maybe a year and a half before we booked that job. So when he got the job, I had actually auditioned to be the mayor, but they were going in a different direction. They had already like sort of, built this show around uh, Brandon. They were like really, really wooing, like wooing him and like create crafting the show around him. And so when he got it, it was one of those moments where you'd be like, I'm happy for my brother. Like I'm really happy for him, but I'm just like, dang, like I wanted that job. 
uh, and casting. God, God friended me. God friended me. Yes, he did. Right. We bo- and then we both ended up on CBS. So we were in the same network. But casting hit me and they were like, you know, he has like two best friends and they're, they're series regulars too. Like, you want to come in. Like, we really like you. We want to see if you're fit for the show. And so I went in and I did the audition. And then when we had the, the screen test, I was screen testing with the guy who played Jermaine, Bernard. And so we, we created like this brotherly bond so fast. It was easy because I already knew Brandon and BJ just suited my uh, acting sensibilities so well. And then Yvette tied that whole family unit together in such a beautiful way. We were there when Yvette came to audition and we were there like after Yvette got the job, she drove back from her house to the, to the studio where we were at just to meet us. And I thought that was such a, a, a kind gesture. Um, and so the chemistry was there, and it, it, it lasts to this day. Like Yvette wrote Always a Bridesmaid and all of us were in it um, because we wanted to be a part of her like bringing that dream to fruition. She had been working on that, that script for like 20 years or something. And we all wanted to, to support that. Um, so that, those are literally my peoples for real. I love that. Take us back to August of 2005. I remember being on the radio and it was category three and I was like, okay, well, mm-hmm. that's not too bad. What was, you know, before the levees broke, mm-hmm. that wasn't supposed to be a major. Nah, event. nah, it wasn't supposed to be like that. And, and people forget Katrina, like, came through twice. Like, it swiped through the Gulf, wrapped around, hit Florida, got really, really big and came back into the Gulf and, and sort of, like, did what it did. Um, and there were other storms that hurricane season so at that point i know a lot of people around the country were like why didn't people evacuate why didn't more people get out but people had gone and come back and gone and come back because the news is telling you like this is the one um seemingly once once a month during hurricane season like they're like yo this is it y'all got to get out of here and um people from new orleans they they're they're sturdy and they're used to hurricanes it's a it's a, a regular occurrence so some people are just stubborn some people are, are, are old and rooted and a lot of people didn't leave, but nobody ever expected that. Nobody ever expected that. It was one of those situations where it's, it's life altering. Um, we almost, my family personally almost didn't leave. It was literally a situation. If my dad had gotten his check Friday, if he got his check Friday, we were going to leave Saturday. If he didn't get his check Friday, we weren't going to leave because we just didn't have the funds like that. Um, luckily he got his check. And so we, we took like a little family road trip to Atlanta and we were going to like ride out the storm that way, which is something that a lot of people do. They'll go to Atlanta, they'll go to Houston, they'll go like somewhere, maybe a little bit on the outskirts to get away from the, the brunt of it. Um, and we got up early Sunday morning in Atlanta to drive back because the, the hurricane hit Saturday night. It was supposed to be done by Sunday morning, but like early, early, like four or five in the morning, the levees broke. And obviously tragedy ensued. Um, and so we were driving, we were driving back home. We really thought we was going back home. And as we're listening to the news on the radio, cause my dad will play like Ray Charles CDs and things like that. So he's like bumping while we driving. Um, and as, as we turn off the CD and we're listening to the local radio, we're starting to hear like all this stuff. Like, and it's, it's starting to get a little scary. My parents are starting to look a little worried. I'm the oldest of five, so we. I'm looking around like, did y'all hear that? You know, like, what, what do they mean? Uh, and then we get to a point to where you can't go any further. The road is closed. They're like, nah, you can't go there. And then we pull out a gas station, and they're like, the, the entire city is underwater. Like, the whole city is underwater. Um, 
so it was it was uh it was it was tough man it was tough it was one of those situations to where it it makes you stronger afterwards i think i think i learned so much about myself and and who i am and i appreciate my family so much more because we went through that but at the time i was it was it was rough marcel spears is here uh it's the karen hunter show sirius xm urban view Channel 126, we're talking powers and becomes action. As I'm listening to you, uh, we're experiencing a year of incredible loss heading into the holiday yes, season. Yes, ma'am. Uh, and I think about the things lost, right? You know, in, mm -hmm. in tragedies like that. What what did you lose that you can never get back? Uh, and what do you miss from from the home after it was destroyed? Is there one memento or- You know what's crazy? The, the smallest thing, that you you don't even think about. And there was so much stuff that like got lost, so much like little valuables and, and little bitty things. But baby pictures. My mom had all of our baby pictures, all of like the little things that like kids have and collect, all of the art projects, all of that stuff. Um, and I missed that and I didn't know that I would. Like there are very few pictures of me as a kid now. There are a few things that my grandmother and my aunts had who weren't directly in that like original impact zone but there are very few pictures of me as as a young kid so I, I like cherish those things um because pictures sort of trigger memories like you 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 see that picture and it takes you back and I don't have as many of those anymore and you don't think that you'll miss it until you're navigating your life and, and like you realize oh wait I don't I don't have that. I used to do that and I don't I don't have any evidence of that or like you want to throw like a baby picture up for your birthday and I only have like two so it's just it's, it's these little things like pictures of me and my siblings as kids, um, home videos that we had, like me, like we were very, very active kids and, and all of that is gone. All of that got uh, sort of washed away. Talk about rebuilding. Cause I think mm -hmm. you know, a lot of our, our, like, this is a year that none of us ever thought would be here. And it's not within mm -hmm. our control. We're in a pandemic. There is racial unrest. I mean, this is like, this, I, I tell my students, this is the year that they're going to talk about for the next 100, 200 yeah. years. It's going to be in the history books. How do you tell people about rebuilding out of tragedy? Um, I, think, I think the most important thing that happened for me is one, it's like this, you have like this moment of taking stock. Like you take stock of what you still have, you take stock of what's still there. And I think this country is is sort of going through that. Like so many people have empty seats at their at their dinner table or or just like going home for the holidays. Like it's such a big deal because we it felt like we've been on lockdown all year. And so you wanna go home to see your family. And at 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 this point, at the end of the year, you're like, man, I'm gonna risk it because I need to see like my grandmother, I need to see these people. Um and, and I personally did not, cause I don't, I don't wanna like put anybody at risk or, or do anything like that. Um, but you have this moment where you're just taking stock of what's still there. And personally, like when, when you do that and you have that moment, that realization that one, I'm still here. Like I am still here. I have survived this moment. I have come out of this, maybe a little shaken, maybe with less than I went into it with, but I'm still here after you take stock and, and you have that moment of I am still here, you start to figure out like a path forward. And like, it looks different for everybody. And like that time period is with respect to everybody's 
individual journey. Like it takes some people longer to get to that place of, of moving forward. Sometimes it gets stuck in that, in that moment a little bit longer than others. But you, at, at every person has that moment. Humans are so adaptable and, and so, uh, so beautiful in that they can overcome. Like we're very naturally adept to like seeing a situation and figuring out a way to, to move forward. And I think that was the most important thing. And for me, acting was a part of that process. When I was rebuilding at 16 years old um, after Hurricane Katrina, like finding this thing that I was passionate about and that I was talented at, uh, that I loved, that I could sort of put all of these confusing and, and conflicting emotions into and just like push that out and tell a story that could move somebody else. Um, and it could be anything. Like for my dad, it was it was preaching. For my mom, it was teaching. Like once she found a teaching job in Texas, she was like, boom, I know where I am. I know where I can make a difference. Um, and I feel like in this country, everybody, like after we get to that initial moment of taking stock of what we still have and what's still here, it's about like figuring out a way to move forward. Like how can, what can you do for yourself that can, that can build you back up? What can you do for others in your community, in your family that can like build them back up? Because I think the other thing that's, beautiful about this whole experience is it's tied everybody together like everybody's dealing with this at the same time and it sucks for all of us uh some of us may be a little more irresponsible than others but we all in this together we're all sitting in this together and so um i was telling somebody the other day like back in the south back in the day like you'll go to your neighbor and be like yo can i borrow a cup of sugar can i borrow a cup of flour um nowadays people are like yo do you have any toilet paper because the, the store sold out so like that, that sense of, of talking to your neighbor and having community, um, this, this sort of, uh, this, this global community that we find ourselves in this pandemic, I think is, is a part of us moving forward. See, Marcel, that's what, it, what I, I knew about you. I ain't know you, but there, there's a <laughs> humanity. No, there's a connection to humanity that I think we need to plug into. And I think mm. when you're on the screen, it just, you know, lights up. There's something just lights up. I saw you in the mayor, I saw you, always a bridesmaid and on neighborhood your chemistry with Cedric how mm -hmm. you troll and roast the hell out of him is just it's just epic um I was just talking with one of your compadres on CBS Falake who's on um Bob mm -hmm. Hart's, uh, mm -hmm. and she said you know Chuck Lorre decided this season that they're not going to deal with anything to mm -hmm. do with the pandemic the neighborhood what's what you know you're you're taping clearly mm -hmm. i guess y'all are being COVID safe and probably mm -hmm. getting a uh, thing jabbed up your nose every you know twice yep. a day yep. um what are we going to see this season is it going to be escape is it i think it's i think it's a little bit of escape at the beginning like we we had the quote-unquote black lives matter episode even though i feel like every episode is a black lives matter episode oh, never um, for sure yeah um, but like, I think the producers and, and Cedric being one of the producers, like they were trying to decide which direction the show would go in. And you had like the George Floyd protests at the top of the year. And then you had this pandemic at the top of the year. And as the year went on, like things just sort of like built and snowballed into like everything that happened. And so Seb was like, what, like, what do we talk about? Well, how do we address it? And I think the the show stands and in, in in some senses CBS's stance for a, a lot of the shows was they didn't want to because everybody's wearing masks all day every day and everybody is like having you getting used to seeing the mask which is all beautiful um he wanted to to show 
he wanted our show to like not have that, not be tied down to having the mask or wearing the mask so that we could have a little bit of escapism. Um, but our show also always chooses to, to speak about things that I think are incredibly relatable, but are also very poignant. And so while there, there's an escapism from this, this virus that is sort of like ravaged the, the globe, um, the show tackles everyday events that I think people can relate to and, and find themselves in and see themselves in and, and, and find uh, some healing through that. And obviously it's, it's really funny and laughter is healing as well. So we're gonna do a little bit of that. For people who don't know neighbor, the, the neighborhood, um, it, it features like this white couple that move into a black neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And you know they, they seem like nice people, at least the first season mm -hmm. that I watched. Nice people who, uh, you know, they want to be culturally uh, sensitive, especially uh, mm -hmm. the, uh, the the male character, the the, the prime husband. Um, yeah, and keeps getting it wrong. Keeps you know just stepping in, stepping in it, and he's clashing. Your your dad, played by Cedric the Entertainer, uh, doesn't want these people. Doesn't want to have a relationship. Nah. Know, he sees it as gentrification. He's like, this yeah. is the first. This high starts. Your mom, Tashina Arnold, which hilarious. Um, yeah, you know, she's, you know, and then there's you, and then you have a brother that's kind of like a deadbeat, um, kind of, you're <laughs> kind of, he, he figured it out. Kind of. Okay. Did I, did I give, did I give a, a good synopsis? Yeah. I thought, I thought you gave a, a good wrap up. That was a good okay. summary. All right. So, so I'm looking forward to, to the trajectory of this. What else are you working on? Right now it's, it's hard to work on other things. Like it's usually tricky to fit it into the schedule anyway with, the, the way that we film the neighborhood on CBS, um, it only opens me up to doing like some some movies and stuff in the summer when we're off. But because so many productions got shut down and things are slowly coming back, it's harder to like, to find other opportunities. So I've just been kind of like chilling. Um, I've been writing more, figuring out ways to, to find my own voice and like figure out what my humor is and, and how I want to tell stories. Um, so I've been experimenting with that. But for the most part, I've just been, you know, you know, chilling, going to therapy, talking, talking to people in, in, in life. Throw that out there. Going to therapy? Yeah, I go, I'm a I'm a huge advocate of therapy, especially after like clearly everything that's that's happened in my life. Um, but I've been in therapy for like maybe three or four years. Was there a I go was there, was there an event that precipitated it? I mean, if, if Hurricane Katrina didn't lead you to therapy, was there something nah. that happened four years ago that that you woke up and said, I need to talk to somebody? Well, it, it's one of those situations, first of all, black people don't, don't do therapy like that all the time. Or that, or that's the stigma, that's a, the that's a stereotype, especially with my dad being a pastor, like, you know, you bring, take it to the Lord, take it to the Lord in prayer. Like go to your prayer closet, go to your war room, if you will. Um, but for me, the thing that actually triggered it, I had gotten, uh, you know, I was, I was a little rambunctious back in the day. Uh, and I was going to Prairie View A&M University in, uh, just on the outside of Houston, it's in Texas. Uh, so shout out to PV. And I had gotten into a little, little physical altercation uh, at PV. And what they did was instead of putting me on academic probation, they, I had like mandated therapy sessions with the, the school therapist. I had no idea that we paid for therapy at school. Like I had no idea that that's included in what we pay for as we're paying tuition. I had no idea, like that's, when it says health services, that's included in there. I didn't know. Um, so I never went there. So when I first went to office, I was like, man, I don't know. Like I wasn't talking to things like that. 
Uh, I didn't know how to talk. I didn't know. I didn't have good therapy etiquette. Um, I wasn't really quick to be vulnerable with this random black woman I, I've never known. Um, but as we like, as we started talking, and she was really good at like just just coaxing it out of me and just having like regular conversations. I liked it, and I was only, I think I was only supposed to do it for a month, but I ended up doing it every every week for that the rest of that semester for like three months. Um, so that was really good. And that was like my first like tiptoe in. And I was just like, all right, good. All right, cool. Like I processed that event. That was cool. Uh, and then when I got to grad school, I noticed that we had free therapy there too. So I would like every once in a while, like tiptoe over there and talk to that therapist uh, when I was in New York. And then after I graduated grad school, I couldn't afford it. So I was like, all right, well, you know, we taking it to the Lord in prayer from now on. That's what we're going to do. Uh, but once, once I moved to, to LA, since I was having the funds to to do that, which honestly, I wish, I wish more people had access to it. And I understand that it costs, and it's not something that everybody has access to, like a, a therapist in their uh, Medicare or Medi-Cal or whatever it is. Like it's it's hard to find that, but um, it's been so beneficial just to have somebody to talk to that's unbiased. It's not your mom. It's not your friend. They don't have any agenda, and they can just help you like unpack some of your stuff and just sort of like really reflect on what's going on with you um, in a safe environment. I really advocate for that. I think everybody should go at least once in their lifetime. Uh, and I, I used to go once a week. Now I've, I've spread it out to once a month uh, and I'll jump in like more sessions when I feel like I need it if, if I'm having like a, a rougher time. But I have a, a great therapist, this, this black lady named Wynn. She's super cool. She's in Sherman Oaks. That's, that's the homie. I love it. Um, biggest thing you purchased since you became rich. We're talking with Marcel Spears. Oh, see, I'm not a, I'm not a baller. I'm not a baller. Um, what does that mean? I'm, I'm waiting. Steady I'm, checks on TV on CBS. Yo, I'm waiting. What? I'm waiting. I'm like, I'm literally like, I'm almost there. As soon as we get to season four, that's when I'm gonna start cutting up. Um, be residuals and, and you that's what you know what I'm saying that's when we renegotiate everything because right now CBS got me for mad cheap okay they didn't know who I was right right they were like we paying this we're we gonna get this little brother we're gonna give him something um but but when, once we renegotiate I could be like hey man for four years I've been here doing my thing for y'all like help a brother out um so that's when I can actually start making money and so maybe you, start paying off some of these loans is what you're you know saying. what I'm saying so I've, I've been chilling and it's so funny because I was on the mayor and the mayor got canceled so fast, Yvette every day would be like, save your money. Now, naturally, instinctually, I, I want to save a little bit of something. I always have like a little nest egg. But Yvette was like, save your money. Don't spend none of your money. And I was just like, okay. She was like, it's season one. Don't spend your money. Save your money. I was just like, okay, okay, okay. Uh, and then when that show ended, I was so grateful for that because I was able to survive uh, after the show was gone, when I didn't have work and I was like auditioning again, I'm in this new city and I got to pay rent. Like I was able to survive off of that. So I've been saving my money. I think the biggest purchase I made is, is maybe my car, which I have a 2010 BMW that I love so, so much. It's the first car that I like bought for me. It's like the first car that I ever really like, um, purchased. And so that, that was like, and it was, it was used. It's like, 10 years old. Pre-owned, they call that. Pre yes, yes, pre-owned. It was certified pre-owned. That's right. Um, but it was, it was, it was my car. And I and I really, really like I felt so I was so proud of myself for like doing that. Cause I always wanted a BMW. I thought they looked slick. 
Um, and you know, BMW black man working, you know what I'm saying? I was just like, yeah, I'm out here. Like I got it. Um, so I think that's like the biggest purchase that I, that I have made, but I'm, I'm waiting for to really like spaz out when I have like a, a healthy cushion to do so. Buy your mom and dad a house. Uh, all right. Last yes, ma'am. I'm look, I'm all about that. I see. I see you. I don't even know why I see you, but I see you. Uh, the the hat you have on has some interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you call those? Uh, trinkets. Pins. Um, yeah. Pins. Yes. What? What? Uh, what? Uh, I, th- that's Bas- Basquiat or. Yeah, that one. that's the Basquiat the crown. crown. Yeah. Yeah, what and else? then you got the the Radio Raheem. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Are, are you collecting them and then putting them on the hat, or did the hat come with them? No, I'm I'm collecting them. Okay. I'm collecting them. The hat, the hat was plain. I just thought they were fly, so I threw it on there. Um, on the other side is some Black Panther pins. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they out here. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's that's cute. I, I, I know like people get on these Zoom things uh, on purpose to, you know, they have different art in the back. They want you to see your, you know, special books. You know, <laughs> right, there, right there. You know, you got mm-hmm. your, you know, you, you know, these things are staged. You know, they're staged. Mm-hmm. All right, so you have some art in the back. Is that like special art or is that, what is that? Uh, is that- this this piece right here, this yeah. was actually painted by a friend of mine in, in the theater. I met him in San Diego. His name is Z, Zlatko. Um, and he's he's this really, really, really gifted artist. He's this crazy Eastern European dude, uh, super chill. And so he would be in charge of like building the sets and the props and things like that. And I would always see him like sketching and sketching and sketching. And then he he would show me like this artwork that he did. And I was just like, yo, bro, I want to own like a piece that you have. And so he he like gifted me. I don't even think I paid for it. I think he just, he was just like, yo, I want you to have it. Um, and it's so cool. And I'm really proud of it. I haven't hung it up yet. I'm trying to figure out where to put it in this, in this office. This is, this is your Zoom space. Hey, that's, that's what it is. It looks like something and it is beautiful. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Listen, n- the neighborhood, you play mm-hmm. Marty. This is season three? Season three. Okay. Has it been picked up for season four or you, you still we don't waiting? know yet? We don't know yet. We'll, we'll, we probably won't know until we get into next year to see how things shake out. I was nervous, low key. I was really nervous because in season one, we had known before we were wrapped that we were getting a season two. But in season two, because of everything that happened, like the pandemic and everything like that, shows was getting cut left and right because, like, the network is like, now nah, we can't afford it anymore. And like, we don't know what the restrictions are. It's going to be crazy. And said kept saying, he was like, no, 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 we got it. Like, don't worry about it. But I was sitting there like, look, you got money. Okay. I don't know. Like, I don't know what to do if they cancel the show. I'm Mother back to hustling. King of comedy. <laughs> right. Like, I'm, you know, I, and I've been to Sam's house. Like, I didn't seen the house. And I was like, look, brother, you're going to be all right. But like, for me and my house, I need, I need a little more assurance. Um, but we were fine. So I don't know. We'll see what happens next year. We have a great relationship with CBS. I think they believe in the show a lot. So I'm anticipating a season four, um, but I'm having fun right now in season three. Like we, we're doing some good stuff. All right, well, I'm I'm so happy to met, have met you. I'm looking forward to everything that the Lord yes, has ma'am. in store for you. Yes, yes ma'am. And I, I just thank you for being here. You, you brought so much today and I wanna thank you for sharing the therapy thing because I think a lot of people needed to hear that. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Marcel Spears, y'all. The Neighborhood, CBS, check them out.